What's up, everybody? Welcome to Outside Perspective. I'm your host, Adam Meredith. All right, let's get a few things out of the way. Uh, housekeeping, if you can do me a favor, and if you're listening on an Apple device, which I know most of you are, go leave a five-star rating and review. If you're listening or if, uh, well, yeah, any other device that you're listening on, I don't know how those really work. I have an Apple myself, so just like it, subscribe, share, go tell a friend. All of these things help the podcast, and I cannot thank you enough. All right. Next, I'm hosting a Steel Mace workshop on February 9th here in St. Louis at the Primal Gym. The Imposed Will Steel Mace workshop is going to be a hands-on learning experience. It's going to be a small group, so get your tickets now. You can go to Eventbrite. Um, I believe the spots are filling up fast. So get over there, uh, search Imposed Will Steel Mace workshop, and you can get your tickets. Again, that's on February 9th. From 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. at the Primal Gym here in St. Louis. So come join us. It's going to be a great time. All right. Now I want to talk to you guys a little bit about CBD, cannabidol. I've seen some CBD kratom shops pop up here in St. Louis. You know, the Midwest, we're always last to get everything. I don't know why, but... It just is what the fuck it is. So that's the beauty about being ahead of the curve. You know, when you do your research and you read and you make an effort, you can learn about some shit before it hits your area. So with that being said, CBD, cannabidol, it is one of the many compounds found in the cannabis plant. But this particular compound is not psychoactive, so you don't have to worry about that. And it has been shown to have a wealth of medicinal benefits. It's an adaptogen. What the patient or user or person who is taking it, what they really need from it is kind of what they get. And I don't want to oversimplify it in that way, but what I mean is it's been shown to reduce anxiety and help with mood regulation. So maybe you're depressed or maybe you have extreme anxiety. Those are two different things, but they both can be helped with this particular compound. Um, I went down this huge rabbit hole of studying the brain and you know it's always been believed that you know you have a set number of brain cells and once you have those and that's it. No more, no more new brain cells. But what we have learned is that certain areas of the brain are growing new brain cells, not all, but some are. And one of the things that aids in that is a, or I don't know about AIDS and that, but is the causes of that is called BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. It's the growth factor for your brain. Now, why do I bring this up? Because CBD does also aid in that, in the production of BDNF. So what does that mean? It helps your brain grow new cells. Again, there's a caveat to that. Not all areas of the brain, but there are particular areas of the brain that will regrow brain cells. So where do I like to get my CBD from? I like to go and get it from my friends over at Jombo Superfoods. You can check them out at jombocbd.com. Everything that they make is with premium, high-quality, organic ingredients. Uh, they test everything. You can go to their website and check out all of the lab results. I am a huge fan of the Muscle Bomb 
put it on my fingers. I put it on my muscles at night after training jujitsu, and it has changed. It has been a game changer for myself. So, go check them out, JomboCBD.com. You can use code I will at checkout and save ten percent. And uh, yeah, so one more time, JomboCBD.com. Use code I will at checkout and save ten percent. My guest today is Joe Parisi. Joe's an entrepreneur. He has his own business. He is a voiceover actor. He is a combat sports ring announcer. And I just, he's also a podcaster. He has a couple of shows of his own. So I really enjoyed sitting down with him. He's an interesting fella. And I think you guys are going to like this one. So without further ado, enjoy, guys. Joe Parisi. How are you, sir? I'm good. That's excellent. Are we recording? We are recording. Oh, well, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, just, uh, I just started it off. Um, I've been listening to your podcast, and uh, you have some interesting guests. Yeah, yeah. It's like we kind of said before we started, it's totally a hobby thing that I got into, um, basically because I missed radio work. Yeah, I come from a, a background in radio, and I, I missed doing that stuff. And I'm just kind of a pop culture junkie. You know, yeah. I like to. I'm the guy that if I'm watching a movie or a TV show, I've got my phone out and I'm on IMDb. I need to find out who are these people, yeah. what else have they been in, where did they film this movie. I, I want to find out all the info. Yeah. And as technology just kind of got up to speed to where for a couple hundred bucks, you can have all the equipment you need to put your own show out there. I'm like, I'm going to do this. You know, I've got the, the software came on my computer. All I need is a microphone and I'm off and running. So yeah. Yeah. Low barrier to, uh, to entry for sure. Podcasting. How long have you had your podcast? Oh, about three, three and a half years. Um, I'm trying to think the first couple of episodes, if you go back and listen to it, it was clear that I wasn't quite sure what the show was going to be yet. Yeah. I was finding just kind of, it's called the odd podcast with Joe Parisi. And I was just looking for odd, quote unquote, uh, interesting people and just wanted to learn more about their lives. Um, I mean, everything from, you know, famous graffiti artists, um, street performers, that kind of thing. Yeah. And it kind of just took this natural progression and ended up with a pop culture focus. I started tracking down people who... I think one of the first pop culture ones I ever did was I tracked down one of the guys from the original cast of American Gladiators. Oh, nice. Malibu. I don't know who that one is. Malibu, long, blonde-haired guy. He was great. He was season one American Gladiator. I bet if I saw him, I'd recognize him. Back in, yeah, like the 80s, late 80s, I guess. It was like 88 or 89. And it was just so cool. And I got like that peek behind the curtain to Uh find out what it was like, how we got got the job on the show, what it was like working on the show. I mean, he even told me like, yeah, they were paying me $850 a day, and oh, I think I shot for 12 days. So he's like, that's the only money I ever saw out of that. Huh. And just little things like that. I was like, wow, that is interesting. Like, here you would think that, oh, these people are loaded. You know, everybody knows yeah. who they are. It's well, like, no, he made like eight grand. Yeah, <laughs> I guess, well, because they get paid like the one-time fee. Right. And then the exposure is constant. Right. So in your mind, you think you're thinking they're just probably racking up the whole time. Exactly. But, you know, how it depends on how the deal has been worked out. But for a lot of those people, 
yeah, it was just a one-time flat fee, and, yeah. and that's it. The exposure hasn't helped out his nah. bank account any, which yeah. is it, – it's, it's interesting. Yeah. And I just like learning – about those right. little little nooks and crannies of the industry, and um, so I just started reaching out to to more people from you know old movies and TV yeah. shows and stuff. And yeah, so has the uh, I imagine Instagram, Twitter, these things is that is that how you're finding these people, or wh- how do you usually? Go about it? Yeah, usually yes. If if it's somebody that I'm going to have to work through a agent or a publicist or a manager, yeah, I have found that I'm probably not going to end up getting that person. They hear podcast, and if your name's not Mark Marin or Chris Hardwick or, or Joe Rogan, Tim, Tim, Joe, Tim, Joe Rogan, Tim, Tim Ferriss, yeah, yeah, if they have not heard of you and they see the word podcast, you're probably just not going to get a reply, right? Um, at least in for the entertainment industry, music industry, yeah. With Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, you're able to directly reach out to these people. Some mm-hmm. of them are on Facebook, like a lot of us on our phones, like all day, and they're they're, they're seeing the message. I mean, you know? they're people too. Yeah, exactly. They, they, and they get sucked into the addictiveness. Exactly. Of the, of the yeah. So they're they're seeing the message you sent within five minutes of you sending it, and yeah. they can just yeah, sure, I'll do it. Um, sometimes I'll find that you know if it's an actor, uh, they have their own website, mm-hmm. and same thing. You can you can just kind of directly reach out to Shoot them. Shoot them an email that way. Yeah, and the people that I typically reach out to. I'm not reaching out to Michael J. Fox to talk about Teen Wolf. I'm reaching out to the guy who played Chubby right. on Teen Wolf. I'm, yeah. I'm looking for the character actors that the world doesn't know everything about already. Yeah, you know? no, I noticed that. Um, the Yeah, the people that you're picking out is just like, uh, I was reading over, it's on my list to, to listen to next, mm-hmm. the, the Ghostbusters one. Yeah. Like you had the guy who, who like created the marshmallow uh, character in, and then yeah. he was in the suit. Mm-hmm. And uh, you had the the kid who was the the student. Uh, doing yeah, the, the girl. Was it a girl? It was the girl. Yeah, doing the, they were doing the testing, right? The psychic ESP testing. testing. Yeah, it's the guy that was inside the Slimer suit who also built that. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. I would have never thought to like reach out to those people to to like interview. Exactly, and I mean, there's you know, there's obviously these various levels levels of celebrity, and some of those people, like the guys that was in the marshmallow suit. He's not an actor. He's an effects guy uh-huh. who, as as I learned, it's like when, when you're given the task to build one of those suits, it's just kind of assumed that you're going to build it to your own body because you need to make sure the thing works before you show up on filming day with it. Yeah. So they just let you be the one in it. You know. Otherwise, yeah. that's then another person yeah. that they have to pay. Does he get paid extra for that? I don't remember if he did or not, if, if I even asked him, but pro- yeah. I, I would think probably not. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, with, I don't know either. With, with the Screen Actors Guild, there's there's actually probably a chance that he that he did. He he probably yeah. got to double dip there. I would imagine that you'd get some sort of uh, like at least credit or something, as opposed to like you're the fabricator and the actor. Right, right. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not oh. sure how the the pay worked out, but those are those are the kinds of things that yeah. that I like to dig into. Yeah. Yeah. So you that so you. You just decided to kind of just dive down this hobby path as far as doing podcasting and like seeking out these people. Mm-hmm. You said post radio career, right? So yeah. Let's go back a little bit. Sure. Like, help me understand your background a little bit. I, you know, I obviously what I could see on like Facebook or whatnot. I know you. Right. Were, you uh, had, was it was it marketing or communications was your degree? Uh, media communications. Media communications. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So let's start there. Just just take me through it a go little bit. Go way Joe. back. Yeah. So after high school, I went to Merrimack, St. Louis Community College, okay. Merrimack. And figured out pretty early on that I wanted to try and do something in the communications field because basically those classes were a lot more 
easy for me. They just came natural to me. I was not a math or a science guy. I didn't have any interest in that. Yeah. But when I took my very first public speaking course at Merrimack, I had this fantastic teacher. His name was Alan Schiller. And over the course of 12 weeks or whatever that class was, I went from being completely horrified to get up in front of a group of people and talk to absolutely loving it. And it was a complete 180 that this guy pulled on me and many other people in the class. He was a phenomenal teacher. So I was like, okay, I can, I can do more classes like this and, and actually be good at them. Whereas, you know, math, I'm having to see a tutor three times a week to pull a C, you know? So I was like, okay, I'm going to go this, this route. And at the time, my dad was uh, working at Anheuser-Busch. He had a long career at AB and in marketing primarily. And they were doing some stuff. AB was doing some stuff with Rams Radio 103.3 KLOU here in St. Louis. They would put on these uh, tailgate parties before Rams games, live broadcast, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So he had some radio contacts locally and had kind of said, you know, hey, um, I, you know, you're going to have to do some kind of internship at Merrimack. Maybe I could try and talk to these guys at the radio station. Yeah. So that was my foot in the door, and I ended up getting an internship with Clear Channel Radio in the year 2000. And uh, I was an intern for 103.3 KLOU and Mix 93.7. It was like an adult contemporary station. So basically for a whole summer, uh, I worked nonstop, and I was like the guy that would drive the van around okay. and set up at whatever shop or bar they were doing a live event at, hang posters all over the walls, yeah. and then hand out T-shirts and bumper stickers and that kind of stuff, and, and just help out. So you got to just kind of see how everything worked. Yeah, you're learning like the whole process. Exactly, exactly. And I, I, I learned a lot that I actually still use uh, today in my nonprofit job, I, stuff I learned from that radio job. But uh, my goal was always to be on the radio. And okay. what, what you learn when you get in there uh, is that everybody in the building's goal is to be on the radio. The person, <laughs> the person working the front desk, the person selling ads, they all want to be on the radio. That's why they're all working there. Exactly. That's, that, that's how they all pretty much ended up there. Uh, but there's only so many people that yeah. they need on the radio and so many people that are going to be good enough that they'll actually let get on the radio. Yeah. So they don't, they don't just say, oh, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. come in at night. No, it doesn't work like that. So. I just kind of hung out. My internship ended. There wasn't anything available. So I just kind of continued to go to school. And maybe six months went by, and they needed somebody uh, in the promotions department. So basically what I had been doing as an intern, mm -hmm. they said, hey, do you want to come and do this now Keep as a part-time? Yeah. yeah. So that was how I then got back into the building and um, just worked nonstop for a couple of years in, in marketing and promotions, just driving those vans around town. Yeah. And... Uh, eventually they started letting me do some like late like middle of the night yeah. stuff and no one's gonna see this exactly that's the thing and, and yeah. that, that's what they have to do yeah you are free to go in there and they, they you know kind of give you the freedom to just go in there and and screw up because yeah. literally there's nobody listening yeah nobody cares mm -hmm. you know or if they're listening they're not paying attention i mean i'm talking like you're gonna be on from two to four in the morning and you get to talk twice an hour. Yeah. Don't make it longer than 20 seconds. Stakes are low. Yeah. Stakes are low. There's not much you can screw up. So that started. And I got to be um, a fill-in traffic reporter. So a little okay. bit a little bit further, a little yeah. bit further. And after six years with Clear Channel, I found out that this new station had popped up on the dial, 106.5 The Arch. Yeah. And they were hiring. They were filling out their on-air staff. And I had sent in stuff. And uh, brought in for an interview, got a job. So I was finally 
full time on the air. Yeah. And I was the seven to midnight guy for like the first year and a half. One oh six five was on the air. Yeah. And yeah, so I was just getting to do a radio show every single day, helping make commercials. You know, all the, all the local ads that they sell for the most part are made right there at the station. You know, by the people that work there. Yeah. So I was getting um, getting to do some voiceover work and all that, and that kind of parlayed into some other interesting things that are still with me all these years later. Um, I was w- working a live broadcast one day, and somebody showed up and said that they worked for a, a independent pro wrestling organization, <laughs> you know, like a, yeah. one of these little indie shows. It's kind of came and, up out of nowhere. Yeah. This, this woman came up out of nowhere and they had a show that same weekend at like, you know, some VFW hall or something in Southern Illinois. And would you like to come and, and you could be like a, a special guest announcer? Yeah. Great. And then I ended up working a string of shows with this yeah. indie wrestling company. Yeah. That's important because, uh, I can't remember who I was talking to, but um, I was saying that, uh, you know, there's always opportunity. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just whether or not you're going to, like, be able to take advantage of that opportunity. Sure. So you, I mean, you certainly paid your dues. And along the way, as opportunities came up, you were just able to take advantage of them, right? So you put yourself in that position, you know what I mean, by, exactly. uh, by putting in the work. Yeah. Um, you said something earlier. I had a question about you. Yeah. You were talking about your teacher. What was sure. What was it about that teacher that uh, that – that made that 180 for you? Like, what was there any particular like techniques that they did or what really stood out? So I can tell you on day one, I'm nervous as can be. I'm sitting in this classroom at Merrimack. I don't know anybody else in, in the room. Uh, everybody's like, you know, roughly 20 to 25 years old. Yeah. And we're all just sitting around quietly. I think everybody in there had that same fear. Like, what are they going to make me do? This yeah. Is a public, public well, you know you're going to have to speak some. Exactly. And that's like and everybody's number one fear. Yeah. Yeah, it is. First day, right out of the gates, this teacher comes walking in about two minutes late. He did this on purpose to make sure everybody was in there sitting and waiting. He comes walking in with the biggest grin on his face, and he's swinging his arms and doing this, and he is singing some show tune. Yeah. And then he starts singing, my name is Alan Schiller. And he's singing a song about his name. Yeah. And everyone's just kind of like, okay, this guy's, this guy's kind of wild. And then here's what we're doing. We're going to start with you. I want you to stand up and you sing to everybody your name. Oh, I love that. That, that made everybody cringe oh, in that moment. Oh, uh, yeah. There, there, was, there was 15 heart attacks right there. <laughs> and it's like, are you kidding me? And I remember, like, I, I mean, I, just, just thinking about it right now, my heart is... from that class immediately. My speeding up. Yeah. I went home thinking, what what other options are out there? Like, if I, if I drop this class, what else can I take? And yeah. I, I, I stuck it out, but yeah, when it got to me, my name is Joe Parisi in front of a bunch of people you don't know. It just made you super it's uncomfortable. Horrifying. Yeah. And he just, uh, what he was basically doing was just pushing everybody into the pool. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to learn a, to swim. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, so many teachers just want to, uh, baby step you into things and you can't do, I mean, oftentimes diving headfirst is the only way to go. I dive headfirst into everything. I don't know. That's just the way I do things. I, I like to think I do, but yeah. But that was that was one of those spots where w- you had no other option. You were in the room. Yeah. What was I going to do? Just say, I'm not doing it. Not yeah, doing it. I mean, I, you have I, to I, do I'm it. I'm quitting the class. Yeah, no, yeah. I had no choice. You have to do it. And he that was just like block number one. Yeah. And then that was probably the only public speaking that took place that day. The next 
week. It was some. He just had all these little. Yeah. Silly so that things was your like first that. public speaking course was in college. Yeah. Not, not in high school or anything like that. No, I, I mean every once in a while you'd have to give us speech for a class but it would be like for a yeah. history class we're gonna you're gonna write a paper and you have to present it right this was the first full-blown oh. 12 16 weeks whatever it was oh, of, okay. of i think it was actually called oral communications yeah and yeah if it weren't for that class um i don't i don't know what i'd be doing today i probably would have found something else that that's interesting so that so that one class for sure set you down like the path for I mean, where you are today. I strongly think so. I, I strongly something something else could have happened along the way that would have eventually led me here, but um, but that changed the focus of what classes I was going to take moving forward, mm-hmm. what my major was going to be. Um, I ended up getting my associates in TV radio broadcasting from Merrimack, and then I left. Um, you know, after two years, I went to SIUE for a year, and then uh, I ended up coming back. The year at SIUE, it was like still more general classes. Yeah. So it's just like I'm taking like intro to law and stuff like that. It's like, what am I? Yeah. What are you doing here? Yeah. Yeah. And um, around that same time, I started dating what is now my wife, uh, who lived in St. Louis, and it was just kind of like, you know, I, I don't really need to be in Edwardsville. I'm going to come back to St. Louis. So I, I ended up just transferring uh, to Webster. Right. And which is where I finished. It's cool. You know, they have the best chess team in the country. I believe it's it. It's like a mecca. Yeah, and no enough. football team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's an. It was. It was definitely an interesting school, but they, they had just some classes that I probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to take anywhere else. Like twice, I took sports broadcasting. Yeah. Where it was, they they would set us up with a little recorder like that, and okay, this week you're covering baseball. Bring me a story about what the baseball team has going on right now. Yeah. And they wanted interviews they wanted live sound from a game they wanted intro music you know just all these and you're learning about editing full-on production and i just had an absolute blast with it and when i got into those type of situations in school i went from being you know this this c-level student that struggled his entire life to suddenly the guy that was being used as the example yeah by the teacher like okay here's what joe did yeah, that's Make interesting, Make it like right? this, yeah. Because some of those other teachers probably would have just, you know, counted you off and just discredited you. Oh, that's just an average student, right? He'll never yeah. be anything more than average. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not trying to trying to toot my own horn, but man, I mean, it that that was the first time in my life that it was like, wow, I'm like, I'm like the better, yeah, you know, like up there, like at the top of the class as mm-hmm. far as like being able to do this stuff and I had never felt that in my entire life. Yeah. So that just that That's alone yeah. made me feel like okay, I can I can stick it out and do two more years of this and get that Yeah, 100%. That 100%. Well, that builds momentum, right? And that builds confidence, right? right. And, and then one thing will lead to the next right. and then who knows what that could lead to, right? So your da- so your dad was in marketing mm-hmm. and uh I was I've been listening to you, dude. You're a fantastic storyteller. Uh, thank you. I think I get long-winded and I, and I tail off, which people will probably learn by the end of this, but thank you. <laughs> but so much of marketing, uh, whether it's, you know, orally or it's just, it's telling a story, yeah. right? And, uh, is that, did, did you learn anything from like your dad growing up at all? Like that you can remember or where did, where does storytelling come in for you? Uh, my dad is a fantastic, um, people person okay he was marketing slash sales you know he would he would sell in new, nice new programs to to stadiums and arenas and you know talk them into putting up this bud billboard over here and if you okay. do that the cost per keg is gonna yeah drop you know so he would he would like work deals and stuff like that but um he can walk into any room and 
make 10 new friends, you know, yeah, um, he's, he's, he's got the voice. Uh, so that's another thing that was, that, that I kind of got to see, he would be involved in, uh, photo shoots, commercial shoots from time to time for AB. Uh-huh. And, uh, he, he took me along on some things from, you know, a couple, a couple of times as a kid. So I got to see like what a commercial photo shoot yeah. went like. Um, he got to voice, um, I remember it was a thing that was in Walgreens. It was one of these displays that had a, uh, a motion sensor in it that when you walked past it, it started to talk to you like, hey, you, come over here. Oh, yeah? And uh, and he was the voice on that. So oh, he, that's cool. And he got to be in a couple of beer commercials and stuff. So, yeah, I he definitely exposed me to that world that uh-huh. most people just never get get to look behind that curtain. Yeah, I mean, that exposure is huge. Yeah, so, um, and, and, and I always thought that stuff was really cool. So as I got older and realized that, well, well I, I could actually pursue these opportunities and, and mm-hmm. get involved in that stuff, and I, and I did. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's just the kind of guy that I, I would, he would take me along to, you know, Cardinal games and stuff like that where um, he would be maybe entertaining customers or just, just going to, you know, hey, we're going to stop by and, and see one of my customers real quick and then yeah. watch a game. And I'd just, you know, see how he would interact with, with these people. people and yeah. you could tell that they just loved him. Um, so yeah, I just kind of realized what, uh, what it takes to, yeah. to, to be a, uh, customer focused. Right. Well, at the, at the end of the day, no matter what you're really doing, I mean, we're ultimately just dealing with other people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's a good skill to have to, yeah. to communicate yeah. and to, uh, you know, EQ is, I think the popular term now, you know, that, that, uh, was your, your emotional intelligence, you know, how well can you read people? Yeah. You know, uh, do you have empathy? I struggle with empathy, man. That's one of the reasons why I started this podcast is because as an athlete, mm-hmm. everything is so focused on you. You're, right. you're always focused on how can I be the best? How can I be the best? Everything, you're in MMA, you're in camp, you have two days, you're always training, and then you have to have a little bit of your chip on your shoulder because you're competing and like you feel like you have to prove something. Mm-hmm. So I just I don't feel like I ever developed empathy. And I really wanted to take the time, and the pod, like a podcast is a perfect way to do that, to sit down with somebody uninterrupted and like actually have a connection and like a real conversation yeah. and to uh, like actually care, right? So that's a, that's a good skill to have, and it sounds like uh, you learned it early from your dad. I think so. Whether you intended to or not. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's just what, what you're around. I mean, you're going to yeah. just pick up whatever it is you're around, whether it's good, bad, or in the middle. Yeah. So growing up, were you, uh, I mean, you said you love pop culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can't tell you how many hours I've probably wasted, like mm-hmm. watching movies and different things. Were you a big movie buff growing up or yeah. like, how did you spend your time doing like, how, I guess, where does pop culture fit in for you? Sure. So I was an only child until I was in uh, eighth grade. Okay. My sister, I have one sister. She didn't, she wasn't born until I was 13, 14 years old. Yeah. So only child, a lot of alone time. Mm-hmm. You, you can only play with your mom and dad right. so often. You know, yeah. got, they have lives. Um, so I, uh, at, at an early age, um, really fell in love with listening to the radio. Okay. I mean, I'm talking back in the day where uh, Rick Idle would come on Q106.5 and do the top 10 countdown at, at 5 o'clock or whatever. And okay. I was recording it every day with a cassette so that I had my favorite couple of songs that I could then listen to anytime I wanted. Oh, yeah. And in the meantime, you're... I'm learning about, you know, DJ styles and, uh-huh. and you know, and, and, uh, figuring out the, the type of radio shows and stuff that I was into. So I got into radio 
real young, I would just sit in my room by myself and, and listen and record. Um, same thing with movies. I mean, I, I was born in 81. So in 85, 86 is when VCRs and mm-hmm. video VHS rental became a thing. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I would love to know how much money we spent growing up on at Blockbuster Video or yeah. at the grocery store video store. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I just rented movies constantly. Yeah. Usually the same five or six just over and over mm-hmm. and over. But yeah, I mean, absolutely. Rec- going back to recording movies off of television with the commercials. Oh, yeah, it, man. Know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the VHS. And then, uh, yeah, I'd always like fast forward through the commercials. That was like the, yeah. the nice thing about that, though. Like I knew if I fell asleep, it's still recording. and I could watch it later. Yeah. This is way before we had uh, DVR and whatnot. Um, yeah, I watched countless hours of movies. Like my grandma had just a huge movie collection and just VHSs were a huge part of my upbringing. So, uh, yeah, I can understand that life. Looking back, I'm so glad that I grew up in that era. Have, having that experience, that, that shopping experience of you have to go up to the video store, walk up and down the shelves, Dude, pick up so the box. Cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're looking at the, you're looking at the artwork, you're, you're reading the back. What is it rated? Can I, well, my mom, let me get this, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, they don't have it. When asking the clerk, you know, when, can you tell me when it's due back? So yeah. I know when to come back for that movie. Oh dude. I yeah. cherish those. And, uh, and, and I'm kind of bummed for, I, I have a five and a half year old son. I'm kind of bummed that that's something that he's, He's totally missing out on. Yeah. I mean, there's still some. There's still a couple. Family video is still out there. Yeah. And I may run him through the process a couple of times just so he can have that experience of yeah. that letdown of your favorite movie not being there. Dude, that's a huge letdown, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, I was born in 87, so, I mean, I remember going to Blockbuster mm-hmm. and going to different places. And uh, and you'd hope that it, that it's in. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And this is before, like, I didn't have a computer. You didn't have internet. So, you're you're like you go and it's like oh like this movie just came out or i mean if it's a commercial or something like yeah. you can see the previews on tv but i remember it felt like forever that it would take a movie um from the time it was in theaters to actually come out on vhs i remember that like took forever months yeah and now it takes like weeks mm-hmm. it's the craziest thing yeah the new uh the, i don't know when this will come out but the new halloween movie yeah michael myers movie uh just came out this week yeah and saw that, it. that opened i think halloween weekend so yeah. it's at two two yeah. months after yeah theater I used, opening it felt like a whole year i remember that it was like in it was in theaters and like you can expect to be able to buy it like next year or at least six months i yeah. felt like yeah and uh and now everything's so instant everything is so instant so yeah, there's is there's pluses and minuses sure. to that right because Absolutely. it did suck whenever you went to the video store and you couldn't get it right but now I yeah. mean, you always have it. Yeah, what a hurdle they came over. You know, like now it's never out of stock never. for anybody ever. No. And for them it's they make way more money. Yeah. And this I mean there's no you don't have to print uh there's no, no production. packaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no, no artwork, there's mm-hmm. nothing. It's just content. Yeah. Just yeah. get the file onto the server. Yeah. You did an excellent podcast on uh, on Blockbuster. Thanks. Yeah, man. And yeah, I had, th- to, I had to do one on Blockbuster. Video. Yeah, and you're, so you're going through the whole timeline of that, and yeah. uh, that's when I was like, man, you're just a really good storyteller. Thank you. Thank you. And th- the the podcast that I do, if I'm, I'm fully confident that if it was just me telling those stories for an hour, hour and a half, uh, it wouldn't be all that entertaining. I find guests, like on that one, I brought on a guy named Greg Sattel, who is this leading 
business expert who has uh, published articles on the rise and fall of blockbuster video in like Forbes magazine. I'm yeah. Like, this guy knows his stuff. Yeah. We're going to bring him on. I, I can tell you the timeline. Like, here's when their first location opened. Here's when their second location yeah. opened. Here's when they filed for bankruptcy. Here's da, da, da. Yeah. But as far as getting into the nuts and bolts of it, it's like, and now right. I'm going to introduce yeah. a guy who has done more research on this than anybody in America. He had, um, yeah, he had a lot of good insight on the situation, <laughs> but your buildup was amazing. Like, Thank I, you. That timeline was great. It Thank really you, was. I, there's, I learned a lot. I didn't know a lot of that stuff. Yeah, and I think on that one, like I had, I had found on YouTube uh, a handful of old blockbuster commercial yeah. TV commercials, and include the audio and stuff. And I, that's just fun looking back at what these commercials were like. I mean, those it was like um, for the first week only, Titanic will only be available <laughs> at Blockbuster, and <laughs> and here in the commercial is a guy that two years later was one of the stars of the movie American Pie. He oh, was just really? a, at that time he was like Whoa. just a, just a commercial actor trying to make his way yeah. and, and he's in this ended up in this blockbuster video commercial. That's funny. But yeah, those are the, just the kinds of things that I love to learn about. And then I I learned that like, oh my gosh, like 2 years after this guy was in the blockbuster commercial, he's in the number one like grossing rented movie. movie yeah. at Blockbuster Video. How cool is that? Yeah, that's interesting. It's a turn of tides. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I was driving to Walmart the other day. I don't go there very often. Uh I'm not a fan. I don't like to support that particular company. Sure. So I don't like to go there. But I was driving there, and uh, I was passing what used to be a Blockbuster. Yeah, And now it's like like a Napa uh, Auto Parts store or something like that now. It's weird. And what I learned on that, doing that episode, is... The one survivor really out there, and there's a, there's maybe a few other stores here and there, but yeah. the one surviving company in that game is Family Video, which is Midwest-based. Yeah, I've seen them around. And they've got, here in St. Louis, there's a dozen of them mm-hmm. within, you know, 45, 60-minute drive from where we're sitting. Yeah. And what they did is they bought all the properties that they sit on. Blockbuster rented in strip malls and stuff. And over the years, as things got tough and they're their sales went slowly down and down and down the rent in those strip malls went up and up and up yeah it it broke it it fell apart yeah family video somebody had the idea long ago to buy the land build the location on it and as sales over the years have have shrunken down a little bit they have what they'll do is they'll throw up a wall yeah in the middle of that store and we're going to let somebody rent out the space on the other side of that wall so now you see a family video on one side and it's marco's pizza on the other yeah. or some little uh a nail salon or a h&r yeah. block type place you know one of these things that's smart and they've yeah so they've been able to adjust accordingly and if and when the time comes they've now got i don't know a couple hundred pieces of real estate that they can just sell yeah re- <laughs> real estate is really where it's at right yeah. i mean ray crock that's how he got yeah. That's how he got his wealth. Right. Everybody thought it was McDonald's. No, like he owned all of the real estate yeah. that McDonald's was on. Yeah. So, I mean, they uh, they definitely figured out a smart play early yeah. on. Yeah. That was a good move. Yeah, they can just pull the video stores out altogether and just yeah. you know, they just have all this rental property or whatever they want. But Yeah. So how do you like to find – or how do you um, go about deciding – what you're going to do a show on for if yeah for the odd podcast uh really it, it, it'll just kind of depend on what pops up on television 
you know, I'll be yeah. scrolling through Netflix and, oh, there's a movie I haven't seen in 25 uh, years yeah. and I'll put it on and, and I'll, I'll get to watch it. Oh, never ending story. I haven't seen that since I was <laughs> 10 years old. Yeah. And as I'm watching it, I, I got IMDb. I got yeah. the IMDb app on my phone. I'm, I'm looking it up. I'm learning about these people. Like, I wonder if they were ever in anything else. And, and then down the rabbit hole, then I'm, I find myself looking up the girl who was the princess in the never ending story. And, Oh, she's got her own website. Yeah. Let me shoot her a message and see if she'd be interested in chatting. Okay. Boom. And it, so it's, it's basically like that stuff that just kind of through, through some, you know, random Facebook meme post or something like that. Uh, will will just pop onto my radar, but I really only do shows about things that I've been a fan of for a long time. Yeah. I've had like genuine interest. In exactly. It. I've, I've had, um, some publicists that will reach out. I, I just have ended up on their email lists saying, uh, hey, we've got uh, so-and-so um, available for interviews now, if you, and, and they'll give me a little bio on this person. And it's like, okay, this person was in 20 movies. I've never seen any of these movies. I've never heard of this person. Oh, they're um, just trying I'm gonna to push pay- people off. Right, of right. Yeah. And it's like, uh, no thanks. Right. It's like, well, we, we thought it kind of fit right up what your show is. I said, my show is about things that I love. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah, I, I, Excited yeah. that this, this gentleman has a book out about his years as an actor, but I've never heard of him, so I'm... Right. Yeah, I'm... Right. I, it, I have to pay money to do this podcast. Yeah. To, to, you know, to put it online and stuff, so that's well, the other thing, time and too. effort, right. Time, effort, I mean, and then hosting, pod- hosting fees. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, you know, no, it's, this is going to be just a passion project for me, so... Yeah. How many people ask you, like, when are you going to start monetizing, or... Do you, <laughs> do you get, all the time, it's like, hey, man, I just started this thing. Uh-huh. For me, anyway, I just started this thing. I'm just trying to put out the best content that I can. I definitely would like to monetize it, and I'm going to start taking those steps. Mm-hmm. But from day one, that's what people start talking to you about, yeah. or they act like if you're not doing that, then there's something wrong with what you're doing. No, no, not at all. Have you have you come across that? I, I have, and I've trust me, I've explored, like, how, how can we try to monetize this? And what, you know, what, what a lot of people listening may, may or may not know on a lot of the podcasts that you hear, you'll hear the host talking about uh, the, the mattress. That's that's a big one. They're selling these mattresses yeah. now. Or uh, this monthly snack box or whatever. Yeah. And they always say, like, make sure at checkout, enter enter whatever enter, code. A, enter Adam Meredith at checkout, and yeah. you get 15% off your first order. Yeah. Typically, the way those deals are set up is they're not getting paid anything to do those commercials. No, that's all affiliate marketing. They're, yeah, it's affiliate marketing. Yeah. So they're getting, if somebody actually goes through, enters your code, and makes a purchase, right. you get a couple dollars. Right. So you could, on this very episode, jump into a commercial for on it or, yeah. or whatever right now, but because I'm assuming you don't have 5 million listeners per episode, you're... Yeah, you know, maybe it's like okay, maybe we we made seven dollars off this episode because three people. Yeah, actually, bought. I um I do affiliate marketing with uh actually I have it right here this company Jumbo Superfoods. Here we go. Yeah, dude, and um, they make CBD products and THC products like in the state of California, mm-hmm. but um I love their CBD drops and that Muscle Bomb. Mm-hmm. I actually um I came across them on Joe Rogan. And then um, I use the muscle ball after jujitsu. So okay. yeah, they have an affiliate marketing program that I do, but that's the only thing that I, I pitch it uh, mm-hmm. before. So okay. like after this, I record an intro uh-huh. and then I'll, I'll plug it in there real quick. Very cool. But uh, yeah, a lot of those, I guess a lot of people just do affiliate marketing. It, it's fine. Yeah. And it, but you know, the bigger your audience is, the, the better chance that oh, know, a couple sure. of people are going to jump on and buy the for bomb, sure. you know? Yeah. Um, I think we, we are both dealing with smaller audiences, you know? I mean, I, I can tell you, I mean, I don't have millions of 
I don't have millions of, of downloads. I wish. Yeah, exactly. It'd, it'd I wish. Nice. Every, everybody does. And then you can you can start to work some better deals. But but and uh, yeah, and, and podcast is is weird because there's there's really no reason for all of your listeners to be from the St. Louis area or wherever you're doing the thing. Right. So that kind of knocks out most local companies. Most local ones. You yeah, know, it's like it yeah, really I, I have let's say, let's say I my episode gets a thousand listens a hundred of them were people from St. Louis. And that's just because, you know, some people that know me know that I do a podcast, but, uh, the other 900 were from scattered around. Right. That's not attractive to the guy that owns a restaurant, you know, three blocks from my house. Yeah. What what good does that do him? If people in California are hearing me talk about how great his restaurant is. That's probably where like social media influence comes in followers and stuff. That's we're getting in, we're getting in Harry waters now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Long story short, I I'm not sure how to monetize a podcast that doesn't have massive amounts of yeah. uh, of downloads. It's it's very difficult. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. I guess I guess people just think that uh, you have a show, so you should start monetizing it. Yeah. When are you gonna quit your job? Right? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> I I I 100% do the two podcasts that I do out of love. Yeah. Let's talk about the other pure, one as well, right? Yeah. I don't want to mess it up, so I wrote it down. Sure. America's pop culture trivia show i actually listened to one episode of that there you go there you go um how did you come up with that so in 2018 in the fall of 2018 my sister-in-law she works for a nonprofit, and asked me if i would be interested in emceeing a trivia night that her her nonprofit was putting on fundraiser for them yeah sure i'd love to uh she said great you know we will have all the questions prepared we'll have somebody there to keep you on on track on time and everything you're just going to be the person on the microphone encourage them to buy raffle tickets do the whole thing great yeah great love doing that stuff so i did it a couple days before the event they you know they emailed me all the questions so i could read through them get familiar Mm -hmm. and just over the course of that that week getting prepared for that event hosting that event i had such a great time i was like there's definitely something here for me because a lot of what I get into on, on my current podcast, the odd podcast is trivia type facts and stuff like that. I love learning that kind of stuff. Lots and lots of facts. Yeah. I just love learning that kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, what if I just took that same information that I, that I love to, to research and and I'm already learning about and make it into a trivia game, make it a podcast. And a month later, episode one launched. Dude, you're asking tough questions. I keep it. I keep it pretty tough. Yeah, yeah. I keep it pretty tough. I've done. I'm, I'm putting out about three episodes a month, and it's. Uh, I listened to a bunch of trivia podcasts that are out there. There's a million of them, mm-hmm. and what I didn't like was, you would put it on, and the guys would be or the girls would be sitting around just BS and just talking, and they'd throw out a question, and they'd all kind of talk about it. And do you remember that movie? Did, oh yeah. Yeah. And it's like get to the question. Right. Get it's like the, let's actually yeah, have yeah, let's trivia. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. So on mine, it's yeah, it's just me. Yeah. Three rounds. Question one. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Five second break. Question two. Boom, boom, boom. Right. Question three. So you get seven questions that are about movies. Yep. Then I give you all the answers. All the answers. Yeah, and it's done, and, and we're moving on. So I you learn something. One. Yeah, you you just it's quick. It's it keeps moving, and yeah, they're they're pretty tough, but. You, You'll learn some stuff. Yeah. A whole show. Yeah. 21 questions. It's over in about 15 minutes. And yeah. It's going over. It's going over well. And I was doing that show for a month and somebody that I, I've known for a while reached out to me and said, hey, I've got a, uh, he's, he does mobile DJ type stuff and hosts events and stuff. And he said, hey, I'm, I've got a double booking coming up and uh, I need somebody to host a trivia night. Nice. Would you be interested? So this weekend in Edwardsville, Illinois, 
I'm doing a uh, for for a nonprofit hosting a trivia. Oh, that's night. cool. So yeah, so it's it it's leading to other opportunities and putting yeah. me in contact with new audiences, new people, and it all just kind of ties back together. So where I'm not monetizing the podcast within the podcast, yeah, there are other ways are, to do that. People are yeah. Ooh, here's a guy that he's comfortable on a microphone he likes trivia stuff yeah want to host our trivia night here's i mean we can pay you to do that yeah so there you go so it was monetized the podcast was monetized without me yeah. sh- selling ads oh on. absolutely i mean there's there's other ways to make money i mean just providing value mm-hmm. alone will i mean there's you can you can pro- you know make money other ways um it doesn't have to be directly from the podcast yeah. but then there i mean that's also like it's a part of your portfolio now it's like all right you want to see some of my work People can easily find your work. And yeah, I mean, as a, as a person who's my, my primary side hustle is voiceover. Yeah. I wanted to talk about that as well. Yeah. And I I could talk about that all day with you, but yeah. So, but yeah, having, having these podcasts out there, I mean, it is your recorded voice going out there into the world out there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, who knows who hears that. Maybe somebody hears that and be like, Oh shit, I really like that voice. Like, let me find that person and hire them for a job. That's weird. Weird things have happened. Yeah. So how did you get into uh, voiceover work? Was that your intention? Because oh, that's your own, like you said, side gig. But mm-hmm. is that, that that's your own company, right? Joe Parisi Voiceover. Joe Voiceover dot com. Yep. Um, when I was in radio, like I said, most local commercials that are sold are made in house at the radio station. <clears throat> radio stations have a production director who works on that stuff all day. But obviously, they can't just have the same guy's voice on a hundred commercials that are currently airing on that station. So all day long, they're bringing in the other DJs and even you know people from the sales or marketing department. Um, bring them in. Hey, sit down. I need you to read this script. And yeah. So half the half the time you're riding in your car and you're hearing a commercial, that voice is the guy that works in the in the marketing department or just the guy that drives the van for the radio station it's anybody just to get some variety yeah, on just there. a different voice right so i got to do a lot of that stuff just working at radio stations and and really loved it and you know over the course of a couple of years i had some people uh take kind of take me under their wing and teach me how to you know the, the technical how to the the production side of it the editing and stuff like that uh-huh. and got to learn how to just kind of do it from start to finish by myself and when you work in radio, like I said, that can lead to other things. People will ask you to host an event or MC an event, or sometimes, uh, you know, maybe somebody that makes marketing videos for a living mm-hmm. will reach out and say, Hey, um, I, I got a project. I need a voice. I need a narrator on. Can you, you know, would you be interested? And over the years, um, you know, a handful of those kind of clients popped up and some of them have stuck with me for nearly 20 years now and a couple three four times a year yeah you know i'll get a call or an email hey we got something we think you'd be good for you want to yeah come in and take a crack at this uh about five years ago i decided to really get aggressive about it and i i I had been just kind of taking whatever came in and it was just a small pool of clients that a couple times a year i'd get a call to to go voice the script and i decided to uh put together some you know nice new demos and and build out a website and start sending get the demos out you know i'm looking up production companies and radio stations and any anything i can find that yeah may need to hire a voiceover person at some point just and over the course of the last five years that's built into something you know it's not huge um i mean it's a it's a small piece of the pie but it's it's 
a little business. You know? I mean, it's a piece of it, though. Yeah. I mean, I mean this morning before 9 o'clock, I had two jobs come, come to me via email. Nice. So I'll when I leave here, I'll go home, and I have to record a DuPont commercial that will air on Spotify. Nice. And that's for a company in New York. And what's the other one? Uh, a medical... It's a uh, software that the medical industry would use mm-hmm. for training purposes. Yeah. Uh, I'm the voice that will be on the marketing video for this software that they will, you know, be using to try and sell. So, yeah, I've got about an hour's worth of voiceover work to do yeah. when I get home tonight. And, yeah, nice little. So what's your process like when you're doing voiceover work? Mm-hmm. I imagine they send you a script. Mm-hmm. Um, so are you just, you just like, read over the script, like, several times and mm-hmm. then just kind of find a flow? And Yeah, sometimes they'll they'll give you some specifications like, okay, um, we need it real upbeat or, you know, or just kind of just slow, smooth, clean, uh-huh. um, watch pronunciation. You know, there's some tricky medical words in there. Yeah. So they'll, they'll usually kind of give you an idea of what, what vibe they're going for. Sometimes uh-huh. they're, they're real cool about it. And if there's music that's going to be involved, they'll send you the, the MP3s. So you can kind of see like, what's the pace of the music going to be like? Yeah. So I can kind of figure out where I need to be, how chipper or fast I need to be talking mm-hmm. so I can kind of match it. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's, it, it's basically that they'll they'll send you a script, just give you a, a few little bullet points like uh, it needs to be under sixty seconds to to fit into the video. Yeah. Um, don't make the spacings between the paragraphs more than two seconds because it needs to time out. Or yeah. They'll give you they'll just give you some little some little guidelines and you do it and and then just being going back to being you know customer focused. I always say you know, listen, if you've got any tweaks or anything like that that you need me to make, just let me know. I'll take care of it. Yeah. Um, you don't want to spook them thinking that, you know, if, if they want a, a sentence redone because they decided it didn't sound right, yeah, that's that you're going to say, well, show. I'm going to need yeah. another $200. You know, so, like so you that. just speak. Exactly. Nickel exactly. Yes, that's that business, though. They're worried about today's dollar, but they don't worry about, like, tomorrow's actual, like, relationship. Right. So, I mean, going back to what we talked to earlier about seeing how, you know, my dad would, would work with customers and stuff like that. I mean, that's, those are the kinds of things that I try and incorporate in my own business. And yeah, I yeah, call that just doing the right thing. Right. Once I, once I'm, I'm, I'm in with them and I'm working on the project with them, I just, just try and go completely above and beyond to just wow them with yeah. good, fast, you know, affordable service so that next time they get a job, yeah, their first thought isn't to hop online and start looking up voiceover people it's just like he was easy to let's call joe yeah he was that's the thing i mean just just making yourself easy to deal with yeah um will will get you goes a long way repeat it's it's way easier for me to rely on repeat customers you know eventually you know circling back when new projects come along than to constantly be chasing the new customer yeah well that goes back to uh that 80 20 rule and it's, it's big in business right like you know 80 percent of you can apply it to anything but yeah. you know 80 percent of of your profits are probably going to come from like 20 percent of your customers yeah you know what i mean so same thing for you right mm-hmm. um oh i had a question within there oh, what was it what it's was it? it's a weird business man it's super competitive yeah and the barrier to entry now mm-hmm. just like with podcasting you're talking about a lot of the same kind of equipment. Right. The barrier entry is low. It's, so, it's super low. It doesn't take very much. I mean, you can literally start a podcast with the phone if, if that's mm-hmm. what you really wanted to yeah. do. Um, I think that I think that recorder, the Zoom 6, is like 400 bucks or something like mm-hmm. that. These headsets are like a couple hundred dollars each. Mm-hmm. So it, uh, w- like $800, you can 
it doesn't take very much. Yeah. And you could you yeah. could get in for two. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, if it's just it. you and a microphone. Oh yeah, if it's yeah. just you and a mic, you can even do it for for way cheaper. Yeah. So um, now, when you're sending these files, is it just like a like a like just the raw audio file, and then they just do everything else usually. on their end? Yeah. Okay. Usually, they've got uh, a bigger picture in mind. So yeah, usually they just want. Uh, I'll edit out even like what you just heard right there. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll cut all that out. Yeah. Because somebody's going to. Somebody's going to have to. So yeah. I will do that on my end. I'll cut out all the all the little the breathing things. I've got um, some audio plugins that will take care of if there's any clicking sounds, you know, like with my mouth and stuff like that. Yeah. I can, I can run it through a little, uh, it's called uh, Isotope um, RX. It's it's this, this plugin I use that can get rid of little clicks oh. in your speech and stuff like that. And just I'll, I'll just polish it up as best as I can. Yeah. And, but I'm just, yeah, I'm just sending my voice and then they're right and they're doing whatever, doing whatever they want with it yeah and it dude it doesn't take very much work to edit those little things out no, no. um if most of the stuff i do is the, the recordings are a minute and a half to three minutes you yeah. know if it's these little marketing videos yeah i mean you're talking about three minutes so it may take me 15 minutes to get the recording just the way i like it yeah and then i and then another 15 minutes or so to go through and just kind of clean Chop it up it down, Chop, yeah. yeah cut out all those the, the breaths and all that yeah. stuff and, and then, you're doing all that on garage band mm-hmm. yeah yeah which See, it's which so... a lot of people you know like big shots in the voiceover industry would be like garage band it's like i can do every, absolutely everything i need to and do it's, and it comes band. preloaded and it came you know free I mean? on my computer yeah but that's what i do my podcast through too yeah band, yeah. yeah ditto so what what might somebody who is just getting into voiceover you know work what, what might they expect to uh to start making or um how long two questions actually mm-hmm. one what might they you know expect to start making and then also how consistent is work for somebody like just getting into the business you know what i mean like absolutely uh so consistency even for the best of the best is is spotty yeah um this month i've been i've been shockingly busy but that's not to say that there were some months yeah in in the the last year where i made 30 bucks yeah. you know i mean there's i mean you're an entrepreneur i mean i mean that's the buzzword these days but i mean you're you're, you're essentially just making it on your own exactly any which way you can yeah so yeah um so i mean there's yeah, there's 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 good months, there's bad months. You got to be prepared for that. Um, only the most successful people in the game have that consistent work. You know, um, yeah. a small, a very small percentage of voiceover people are true full-time voiceover people. Like yeah. the, the amount of people who they are paying their rent and all their bills only on from their income for voiceover is very small yeah very small it's a not that it can't be done but it's just a small that we're talking the top yeah five percent well, of the industry i think of voiceover and just from like my child mind is like cartoons i immediately mm-hmm. go to cartoons right yeah and um you you'll even notice it's the same actors you know doing yeah. multiple shows mm-hmm. it's like you know this a one, lot of this one lady has done like 20 different voices and yeah. you know what i mean so it's obviously a small pool that they're that they're hiring. It is. There's different there's different areas within voiceover. There's there's animation, right? Which is that. Um, I've I, I don't think I've ever done anything in animation. Uh, there's commercial, which is obviously radio, television commercials. Uh-huh. There's what they call promo. That's what you will see at the beginning a, a commercial for a TV show. Mm-hmm. Tonight on Family Guy. Yeah. And it and then it plays like a clip from the show, you know. Yep. That's promo. Yep. That's a big one. Um, I, I don't work in promo. 
there's like it's a small pool of people who do all those shows. Very like, particular voice that they're looking for. Yeah, Fox. You know, every TV station like has a guy. Yeah. Or a girl. You know, mm-hmm. they they have their one person. There's uh, e-learning is a big one now. I, mm. I do a lot of that. There's, yeah. I mean, how many, for, for the person listening right now, I mean, I'm sure you can think of a situation where you got a new job or um, your company brought in some new product and you needed to sit down at the computer and go through some online training Absolutely. and it talked to you. Yeah. Somebody voiced that. There is way more jobs like that around than there is to be the superhero on the cartoon. Yeah. And those are the kinds of jobs that are far more accessible to me mm-hmm. as a St. Louis, Missouri based voice actor. Um, I, I would market to, uh, you know, just these video production companies that make those kinds of things, yeah. make, make connections with them. And then, yeah, it's, it's, uh, not that it's less competitive, but there's just, uh, there's, there's just a lot more of those opportunities yeah. that, that pop up for me. I mean, that's what it's about, too. So there is a book that I read some time ago. It was called Blue Ocean Strategies, and it's essentially um, – it was a business book. It's, it's essentially just saying uh, go into a market where there's not, like, a ton of competition, mm-hmm. whether that means, whether that means uh, like, you're creating that market yourself or whatever the case may be. So, I mean, there's this huge pool of voiceover work, yeah. and there's – this huge ocean of, you know, like voiceover work for like e-learning, for example, if there's not a lot of competition there, uh, right. wh- why would you not do that? Exactly. You know what I exactly. mean? Everybody's trying to do the animation voiceover work. That's the thing. Well, let me come do this. This is, right. this is work too. Everybody wants the sexy jobs. Yeah. And that's your, that, that's your national commercials that, that your family and your friends are going to, yeah. are going to see and hear and be like, oh, that was Joe. Well, that's how you get validation. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Man. That's what everybody's chasing. But the, the bread and butter is in those, those strange little, like the, like the, the two jobs that I have to do today, the one is for Spotify. So some people will hear that commercial on Spotify. Mm-hmm. The other one, maybe a hundred people will hear that within the next year. And that's some guy or gal sitting in their office who just got a uh, little presentation sent to them via email. and yeah. says, if you want more information about this project, this, this product we can offer you, uh, here's a little demo video we put together. Yeah. And that one person is going to hear my voice on that. Yeah, but hey, you still got paid, and it, and it, that's the thing, and it, it contributes paid. to the overall exactly, mission. Exactly, exactly, and and a lot of the times it's like, yeah, that that paid just as much as the radio commercial. Yeah. That I'm going to do is going to pay. You know, it's it, it equals out. So it's just not there's not that that sexiness about about mm-hmm. all those jobs. I mean, I do uh, every month. I do on hold messages for a hospital in uh, what is it uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Hmm. So if you call Lancaster General Health Pen Medicine and you get stuck on hold, you're, you're going voice. to hear, thank you for calling Pen Medicine Lancaster General Health. Someone will be with you shortly. And then I go into, <laughs> you know, um, talking about their urgent care or some new things that they've got going on. And, yeah. and every every month I get a uh, handful of, here's the new scripts for this month, you know. And yeah. So that's my study. That's my study stuff. Yeah. Uh, the commercials. Um, you know, I get a lot of opportunities to audition for commercials, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're one of a hundred auditions they're going to listen to and they're listening to some of the best of the best. Yeah. And and with the way this industry is set up now, um, I'm getting thrown in with, you know, people from New York and Los Angeles and it's just a matter of getting your stuff in and and hoping that they think you are the best for that particular, it's not always about, you know, who's the best, it's who's the best for this this script 
this spot. You know? Right. Yeah. Because the people who are casting that, they have a particular sound that they're they're looking for. Exactly. And once they hear that pitch, then they usually just know, I would imagine. It's that and the way that you said the words, the way you interpreted their script. You know, yeah. There's a million different ways to read two sentences. Yeah. Putting your, you know, from your, your tone, your mood, your speed and all that and, and just... Um, what words you punch up and stuff like that. You can make it sound a million different ways. So I think more than anything, it's that. It's it's just saying those right. those 30 words yeah. the exact way the person who wrote it thought it out right. when they, as they typed it. Now, with, with like the capabilities of editing, um, obviously you want to be able to speak clearly and you want to say the words well. Mm -hmm. But how perfect like do you need to necessarily say the whole thing straight through? You know what I mean? It's, oh, no. You know, it's like, let me, this little chunk, and yeah. then we're... Good. All right. Mm -hmm. And then this chunk, and then they'll just put it all together. Right? That's that's pretty much how I do it. Yeah. And I'll just I'll, I'll just go sentence by sentence, or you know, just right. small grouping by small grouping. Get it exactly how I like it, then move to the next one. Yeah. Very rarely start to finish. Right. You, know, you can, but then you're you're running into problems like uh, kind of running out of breath. Uh, yeah. it, you know, where it's yeah. like I can take before if I'm going sentence by sentence, I can. So I've got a full, right, and full air that. in my lungs for that sentence, and right. boom, 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 yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. I think it's easy for people to forget that um, when they hear the finished product, that it's not just a person who's over, like on the other side of the mic, being perfect. Mm -hmm. You know, one hundred percent of the time, like there's yeah. a, there's a process to that. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, I have a buddy. He lives in uh, he lives in L.A. He's in this uh, the SAG union, mm -hmm. and uh, he said that uh, he got casted to do some voiceover work they only needed him for like 10 minutes and then he made like 200 bucks that day yeah. is that is That's that is, is like a couple hundred bucks is that is that pretty common or i mean it depends i mean yeah a couple hundred bucks is is common if it was um i think i mean i'll just tell you the biggest the the best job for the shortest amount of time that i've ever had was like an hour in a studio and it was a national fast food. Uh, it was two commercials, national fast food, yeah. uh, radio and television. Yeah, and that makes a difference. And, and when it was all said and done, it was a couple thousand dollars. Nice. Yeah. And I'm sure they, they take into account, because I know with like... Um, and that's I, the big fish. That's, yeah. That, I mean, that's not that's not what I'm doing two of today. That's well, yeah. Those are the ones you hope a couple of those, if a right. couple of those I can land a year. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. Even, even from the just fish. take the dollar amount out of it, I mean, just to have that network. You know yeah. that connection with a large you exactly. Know, you know yeah. Now I mean? you're now you're in in the heads of people who are offering jobs right. that are like that too. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, I know in like like print ads, for example, like those models, they'll 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 get paid based off the exposure of that ad. Is it going is it going to be national? Is it going to be local? How many people are going to be using like is is actually going to see this? Right. So I'm, I imagine they take all of those things into mm -hmm. account, right? Yeah. Um, now it, we mentioned you know. You're doing this off here from St. Louis. Mm -hmm. Is it? Does that make it more difficult? Is it easier to be at like another place like L.A. or New York and be doing this, or kind of what's that climate like? I mean, the internet has made the world very exactly. Small, you know it's I mean? it's so. broken it all open, and I'm sure that I, if I was living in Los Angeles, that I would I would be finding more opportunities. There's just more stuff going on there. In, yeah, more in the, people in the production yeah. world. Um, but. So I have a couple of agencies that I've been able to hook up with. So mm -hmm. I'm on their talent roster. I'm on one here in St. Louis. I'm on one in Chicago. I'm on one in North Carolina. And I'm on one in L.A. Okay. And I'm 
getting, you know, in my email auditions from this Los Angeles casting agent uh, or talent agent. And half of their roster is L.A. based. Half of them are people like me who are just all around the country. Okay. The only time it really that I can see comes into play for me against me is a lot of the jobs will say L.A. local. Yeah. They want you to come come into their studio and do the recording there. Um, But a lot of them nowadays, um, they'll just ask for what they call phone patch. So what I will do, say I booked the job, Mm -hmm. um, we'll get on Skype Mm -hmm. and I I can hear them. You know, it's like, so we have a a Skype call going as I'm sitting in front of my microphone. So I will, okay, now I'm reading the commercial. Here we go. This is take one. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, and they'll give okay, you Okay, what you guys think of that? On. Yeah, and they're in my ear. They can hear it perfectly. Yeah. And then when it's all said and done, then I just send them the, you know, the file. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, what what it does, obviously, being in St. Louis, all those jobs that say L.A. only. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not flying out to L.A. for a... Yeah. You know? No, yeah. Have you ever thought about, like, just taking, like, a week or two? Oh, I'd love to. Like, during the summer? Like, there, like... like Pick, you know, take the kid, take the wife, yeah. go out for like a couple weeks, Airbnb a spot. And, oh yeah, gosh, work. yeah, I, I I would love to. Um, but I think what I would do, and and I've kind of I've I've kind of got this trip planned in my head, um, to go out there, and there's some some voiceover big shots out there that offer training in their in their studios. They they run businesses, you know, they run recording studios, and uh, you know, for a fee, you can go in and and get one-on-one coaching with them. Yeah, and that's what I would do. That'd be cool. That's what I would do because the chances of me being able to book work Why during the week i'm there this is Pretty like slim. yeah i mean that's that that's so slim yeah um but what i could do is maximize my time and get a couple hours one-on-one with some of these voiceover legends you know yeah. and they'll just they'll just give you some some scripts that they've done in the past and and we're gonna we're gonna read the script and i'm just gonna tell you okay mm-hmm. now do this a little bit differently and what if you come up on that word yeah um you know or string that together and, and they'll just teach you these little things i've done training like that over skype and it's yeah it's fantastic. Ask, do they offer that over skype mm-hmm. or yeah anything? they do they do but that i i would just like to It'd be, like, be in there being like in the presence of somebody you can feel their energy right you know what right. i mean especially when it's like in a field that you're in you mm-hmm. know what i mean and you want to like you want to absorb more than just what they're saying. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. Um, I'm and make those connections. connections. Yeah. yeah, just make those connections. 100%. Just be in in the studio with the guy that that records the Disney cartoons. Yeah. You know, yeah. There's something to be said for that. Yeah, that'd be that'd be really cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I would love to. I would love to. But yeah, the chances of booking, saying I'm going out there for two weeks and I'm going to do a bunch of jobs. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, no, good luck. Good luck. I just, I was just thinking more. So it's like, all right, well, maybe you go for a vacation for two weeks. And yeah. while you're out there, all right, let's just put my name in the hat and maybe, yeah. maybe something comes yeah, up. Yeah, if there was a way I could do that, I certainly would. Yeah. I certainly would. Yeah. I mean, it'd be tough to, to start booking stuff, you know, a couple thousand it's, miles it's away. It's hard enough. Yeah. It, it, it's hard enough. But yeah. For sure, dude. Yeah. I mean, and, and really, if I book, if I do a, a hundred voiceover jobs in a year. One or two of them are those nat- those ones that came from a a Los Angeles agency or something. Yeah. The other ninety nine are these video production companies around town or that I've you know that I've made contacts with on my own. Yeah. That's the, the whole thing about having an agent and stuff. It's fantastic. You get uh, a lot more at bats. You get a lot more opportunities to go for those real big jobs, those yeah. cool, sexy jobs. But just because you're getting to audition, I mean, that you you never get an email from them saying, 
hey, um, this company wants to use you. No, it's here's yeah. an audition. Yeah. You're you're just getting the at bat. Yeah, it's you like know? you have the chance to, to get the job at that point. And you're up. I mean, and here's here's the crazy thing. I will occasionally see or, you know, or hear a commercial and it's like, I, I auditioned for that, and, you know, and I mean, I know I didn't get it, yeah. but it's like, that's Matthew McConaughey. Oh, and it's like, yeah. that happened, then that happens. He does a lot of voiceover He does, work, he does. And, and there's, there's a lot. I mean, uh, Paul Rudd, um, I'm trying to think there's, there's a lot of just Clooney, you know. Yeah. Clooney does a lot of good ones. Uh, Morgan Freeman. Yeah. It's like, oh, I auditioned for that one. And that's definitely Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. It's like, so, I mean, you're up against. I mean, what are you going to do? Exactly. That's the thing. You're so, yeah, it's great that you, um, you know, you're, you're, you're tied in with these, these agencies in California, but that's now who you're getting to compete against. Yeah. For, that's for these voiceover the, that's jobs. That's the truth. Now you have to go out and like get those agents, right? Do they. Yeah. They, it, they it's just like everybody. No. And say, I don't think they do. No. Um, and I guess, and it's just because they just want a manageable list of people to deal with. Um, yeah, most of them, most agents have, the agencies have a website and there's information on how to submit and it's, you just send off your stuff. Here's, here's information about my equipment. This is the studio. I have what I can provide. Yeah. Here's my commercial demo. Here's my promo narration demo, whatever. Send them all your stuff. And if they have any interest at all, they'll reach out to you. Okay. And over, uh, now I can tell you when I was younger, trying to get going in voiceover in my early mid twenties, I was submitting to agencies all over the country. Mm-hmm. Never, nothing, got nope. nothing, just a kick in the face. You know, it's like, okay, <laughs> thought I was good. Yeah. You know? And, and Bruce the truth is, and, yeah. And I mean, really, um, but looking back, the truth is, no, I wasn't good enough. Yeah. I wasn't good enough yet. Yeah. Um, I was mediocre at best, you know, mm-hmm. I was just like every other, um, entry level radio DJ in the country who yep. was trying to branch out into voiceover jump to when I'm 30 years old and I'm starting this process again and I've been around a little bit longer and um, I went about it in you know a lot smarter way I mean I, I, I went and started finding working voice actors online and just started listening to their demos closely yeah. and find out like what are you up against how you know so you know how good your demos yeah. need to be you need to know what ballpark well, you're you taking need to be an in. honest look at yourself exactly and it's like okay I can pull that off or do I need to hire in somebody to help me produce this and get this sound that I'm I'm needing to achieve. Yeah. And yeah. And when I, when I took another pass at this stuff, when I was around 30, um, the, uh, an agent here in St. Louis was the first one that said, Hey, we'd like to chat with you. You know, can you uh, come and meet with us? And I've been working with them for the last three or four years. Yeah. And then since then, a couple others have, have ended up saying yes. Yeah. And, and, but, and, and really all it, all it is for, for the other ones is they agree to just add you to their website. Mm-hmm. So your demo is on their website. Right. And then when auditions, when they catch wind of auditions and you fit the specs, you fit the, for me, it's um, looking for a male that sounds between 25 and 45. Typically it's something like that, you know. Yeah. Um, then they will just blast that out to everybody in their talent database that is in that category. And yeah. There you go, guys. It's due by tomorrow at noon if you are interested. Yeah. Get it back to us by noon. All right, it's like fight for it. That's what it is, man. Death, death match. It is. It is. <laughs> it is. And you never hear any of the other auditions, obviously. Yeah. You are never told you didn't get it. You just, you just didn't hear if anything. you get it, yeah, if you get it, you'll hear. Yeah. Um, it may be a couple weeks later. Sometimes you forgot you even, oh, what was that one? <laughs> you know, it's probably like, constantly you, always auditioning. Yeah, exactly. You're constantly, yeah, I, 
I probably do a dozen auditions a week. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, so you just kind of forget and that's, that's all you can do. Otherwise you're going to be the most depressed person in the world because if you look at it like that, it's like, man, that's a, I went over 12 this week. It's like, that's a lot of rejection. Yeah. It's like, no, you just, just record it, send it and boom, you're on to the next. Yeah. It just is what it is. Yeah. You just do the best you can. Obviously the more you put out, you're just, you're, you're, slightly bettering your chances at, at landing something and yeah and so it just feels good when one yeah. comes through well it's all part of the process i mean yeah. you just have to get used to the process and uh, unfortunately <laughs> uh, rejection is a big part of the process exactly it is it is um but yeah i think uh i think it's made me better overall you yeah. know just just dealing with with the rejection just yeah i mean then just in your you know my my day-to-day job you know stuff like that what's I mean, your day-to-day so yeah so totally different speed from the other stuff i do is i am the marketing and development director for a jesuit owned and operated nonprofit. okay it's called uh, it's a retreat center it's called white house retreat it's a spiritual retreat center yeah i saw you you posted a picture where Mm -hmm. where are they located it's in uh, south st louis county on an 80 acre property on the bluffs over the mississippi river yeah it was snowing the picture that you posted it looked beautiful 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 we're high up on the bluffs over the river um a lot of the property is wooded it's kind of secluded Mm -hmm. and up to 90 people will come out there for a weekend like a thursday evening to sunday afternoon and they go through a program that's known as the uh, spiritual exercises of saint ignatius okay it's uh basically what the uh, jesuits are kind of based upon their their core beliefs and it's kind of like a personal development program yeah. with a very catholic spin okay and it's uh it's condensed into what we offer is condensed into a three-day program like, like so retreat. yep so over the course of three days you stay silent it's a silent guided oh, retreat nice so you and all these other people are silent and over the three days you go to like 10 uh conferences that the the jesuit leading the retreat yeah. that weekend will give each one kind of builds upon the next one and the next one yeah and then there's also obviously um, the, the Catholic stuff you would expect. There's mass every mm-hmm. day. There's a chance to go to reconciliation or you know kind of uh, just one-on-one counseling with a priest if you want. Yeah. They do uh, anointing of the sick. They do mm-hmm. benediction in the evening. All the meals are provided. You get your own private you know small dormitory room, and it's just a peaceful kind of break from the chaos of the world we live in today. Where yeah. you can just go out there and kind of. Uh, Get yourself right with God and kind of yeah. center yourself and get some peace and quiet. Yeah, it's important to get away and unplug mm-hmm. and be out in nature. Uh, it just makes you feel so much better. I've always wanted to do well, not always, but mm-hmm. more recently, I've I've been thinking about wanting to do like a silent retreat. It's a place to do it. Some people do them for you know five, ten days. I don't know how yeah. long I'd want to do one for, but it'd be interesting to just not have to speak to anybody i'm good at not speaking (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's it's a strange thing i i had never done it i answered a an advertisement for a marketing and fundraising job yeah that's how i ended up there um and it just so happened to work out that they decided to hire me so they're like okay if this is the you know obviously the business you're going to be in we want you to experience experience it it. so I, i was there you know two three months and i i did it i did the weekend thing and it's powerful. Yeah. It, it is very powerful. It's, it was very cool. I was obviously, as, as so many people are, uh, totally nervous about the silent aspect of it. But 
that made it so much better. Yeah. It made it so much better. And I would, I mean, the other thing too, is I was there with 85 guys I had never seen before in my life. Mm -hmm. So there's no pressure to like, feel like I have to sit and make small talk at every meal. Yeah. No, you're supposed to be silent. So. Yeah. You don't have to like say anything no. or keep yeah. anything going. You can just kind of just be around each other. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a small handful of places around the country that, that offer the, the, yeah. the three day, you know, Ignatian spirituality retreats and they are popular places. Yeah. You know, popular places. We've 4,500 people a year come through. Oh, really? White House. It's uh, quite a few to people. To do silent retreats. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's about 90 a weekend, and sometimes we do two a week. Wow. Yeah, I did a brief Google. Um, I didn't look too hard, but um, I didn't find anything in the area, so it's good to know that there's... there's yeah. Yeah. 45 minutes from here. Yeah. Or, that's yeah 25 minutes from here, yeah. Yeah, that's not too far away at all. Yeah. Um, so how did you... Um, maybe look, just changing gears a little yeah. bit, but um, how did you get... in? Uh, What's the word? Uh, how did you get involved with uh, Shamrock doing the, comment like the commentating for that? Yeah, so Shamrock, uh, I've been doing stuff with for just over a year at this point. I, going way back to my college days, I was getting to do some pro wrestling uh -oh, announcing. Yeah, you where sometimes I would I would yeah. either have the headset on like we have now, yeah. uh, doing doing like color commentary or play by play type stuff. Yeah. Or sometimes it would be as the ring announcer. Uh -huh. So I, I got to do a little bit of both. Okay. Um, and I always loved it. What would tend to happen with those little organizations is they'd be around for a year and they would just they never made any money mm -hmm. and they would just stop doing shows. Right. Just kind of would kind of dry up. So years and years went by and, um, you know, all of my mid twenties to early thirties and I, I didn't do anything in that field. Yeah. And, uh, I, I became a member of JD's gym, which some friends of mine own. It's a strong man, an MMA gym okay. in South County. It's over yeah. by Melville high school. Um, one of my, uh, great friends from high school, Jonathan Dalton, him and his brother and his dad, they owned it. They started it. They, they started it. Okay. So. Uh, I, I joined up with that gym, and at, at that time, they had a, a small handful of guys that were doing MMA training and that were fighting locally, amateur. Uh-huh. And just, you know, getting conversations about it, and it was, I think, Jonathan Dalton that was like, man, you should try to try to do announcing at one of these shows, you know, because he knew I did, was doing the podcast and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I was like, ah, I'd love to, you know. Were you a fan of MMA at all before then? Have you been to some to, shows? To some degree. I had been to some early Shamrock shows. Yeah. So the real early ones. Yeah. Like so the, just, the Mean Mike Green headlining shows. Yeah. So you see a big difference. Exactly. Come yeah. a long way. Stratford Inn, South Broadway Athletic Club. Yeah. Those were those were the shows that I was going to around like 2003, yeah. maybe 2004. Super early. You're right. Yeah. Um, so, I, yes, I had certainly been to some and followed, to some degree, UFC, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so uh, – he was like, yeah, we should, um, I, I, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll give the guy your name and, you know, and see if th they have any need for an announcer or something. Yeah. So there was this small organization called Horizon, mm -hmm. uh, a, a promotion that yep. uh, Sean Scott and Ace Anderson had going. And I don't know, they had done maybe four or five shows to that point. Yeah, I remember. And yeah, uh, yeah they were doing. So many shows pop up and go away. Yeah, they were doing shows at this place called the uh, American Czech Education Center uh, in South St. Louis and he got my name and we had a couple of phone conversations and he let me come and work, uh, work a show as kind of the, um, just the post fight interviewer. I wasn't the ring announcer. He had a ring announcer, yeah. but he was like, you can do, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll announce the winner and then you pop in and you ask him a cup, ask the winner a few questions. Yeah. So I got to do that and I had a blast and I worked 
you know, worked, worked the show that night. Um, I had emceed the weigh-ins the night before. And so that was it. Show number one was in the books. It was like, awesome. And nice. And then a week later, I see on Facebook that Horizon has <laughs> <it's> been <laughs> sold and is, yeah. is no more. It's like, oh, okay, well, that, <laughs> well, that was short-lived. That, yeah, that was great. Now I'm, now <laughs> I'm, 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 I've lost my job already. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like, oh man. So a little bit of time went by, and the Daltons and the Scotts decided to let's kind of pick up where this one left off and start uh, start fresh. Okay. And they started a promotion called. Uh, Iron Fighting Alliance, IFA. I've not heard of that one. Yeah, so uh, they were using the same venue. Um, you know, uh, the shows were run similar, you know, same place. I think they got the cage from the same guy, you know. Yeah, they, um, same they, cage. Just, yeah, re- rebranded it, you yeah. know, new new guys running it, new matchmakers, all that. And they said, you know, you're, you're the guy. We're, 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 you're going to do everything. You're okay. going to do ring announcing and do the little post-fight interviews yep. and, and do the weigh-ins. It's like, awesome. Let's do it. So they did a few shows. And um, I had only, I mean, they did two shows. And then I got a text from Derek Scott saying, who is a a Shamrock fighter and, you know, um, tight with those guys, I guess. And I guess he was kind of lobbying them. I I think that's that's what I kind of. He's like, man, you got to check this guy out. His voice is amazing. I think so. God love him. He's making panties drop. and. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I think, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, there, there's, there's Voice no nicer angel. guys. There's no nicer guys than, than the Scott brothers and, and the Daltons. And I, and I think, I think Derek was kind of uh, lobbying or at least throwing my name out there. And then he, I remember he texted me one day and said, uh, Jesse Finney wants you to give him a call. Yeah. Here's his, his cell number. Call him. He said, call him tomorrow after 10 o'clock or something. So Jesse and I had a couple of conversations and he had me, uh, go and meet Rob Doniker, his matchmaker and, yep. and, and partner for lunch and uh, just kind of get the lowdown. And uh, they had me do some demo videos. Yeah. Which I set up a tripod in my basement, put my suit on. Oh, yeah. And go, go the whole thing. Yeah. I made I made up some, some cards and did some, you know, a yeah. couple minutes worth of fighter introductions, sent them a, a tape. And it was a couple of weeks before, about a week before Christmas in uh, 20, 2017. Yeah, and he called me and he said, uh, "Yeah, it's yours, man." So just over a year now, you've been doing it. Yeah, just over a year, which has been, I guess, like seven shows now. Yeah. And um, so yeah, that was a, yeah, that was a dream come true. That was something I always, since I the, the minute I started doing it, it was obviously the goal was to get as as far locally as I could with it. And yeah. They're the, you know, they're the, they're the biggest organization. They are the biggest locally. Do they take it to Kansas City with them too? Or I don't. They so they have, there? yeah, they have a guy there. Yeah, and, I think they uh, have a whole crew up there that they just. A lot there's of. There's only like a couple people that kind of go it, back and forth. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, if you don't have to to pay to. I wouldn't either. Travel, yeah. you know, some people traveling around. Um, yeah, hotels yeah, and, exactly. and such. Is, yeah. yeah, so yeah, so they've got a ring announcer in KC. Um, I do here and yeah, yeah, it's been just over a year and it's been, it's been cool, man. I love it. I love yeah. it. I wish it was, I wish it was more often. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm fine with it. I love it. Yeah. Well, I think they do more shows here than they do in Kansas city. I think they only do actually four shows in Kansas city. Is it? I think so because they do, um, you know, they're splitting time now between Ameristar and, uh, River, River City, City. Uh-huh. and before it used to be what River City and Lumiere, I Lumiere think it was. Yeah. So I, th- I think uh, it's like one a month. So I think they're doing right. like it's like here, there, 
here, here, there, something, something like, like that. Yeah. that. Yeah, there is. I think there's a few times months where Kansas City gets skipped, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been it's been cool. Just yeah. uh, they they put on a good show. They're yeah. they're neat guys to be around. Yeah, um, you know they they push you to. Yeah. To, to, to well, be there's one. Be your best. There's one theme that I've gotten with you, my friend, and uh, you are a likable guy, <laughs> and you have a good network because it's just, oh yeah, I knew these guys, and you know, one opportunity came, and you're able to take advantage of that opportunity. Like you're always prepared, right? You 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 put in the reps to to be good at what you're trying to do, and uh, you made the right connections along the way. So yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lesson to be learned for anybody who uh, you know, would like to follow the same path, or whether whether it's in voiceover work mm-hmm. or it's any just endeavor of where you're trying to provide for yourself. That's the thing. Just be be lesson. ready. Yeah. Be if there's something you want to try and do, you got to be ready when the knock on the door comes to, right. to, to jump on it. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. I've missed opportunities of fighting because I was like, really? yeah, well one time Jesse called me, um, for, they needed like a last minute replacement mm-hmm. on like 10 days notice for Bellator. I was, it was at 170. I was 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not that's, in shape. Yeah. That, that's classic though with fighter, right? You know, you always got to be in shape. You always got to be ready to fight. Or one time he called me and, um, it was for Bellator again. I didn't have my passport though. And it was weird, though. Like I was. You would have had to leave the country. Yeah, it was in really? Tel Aviv, Israel. Oh my gosh! And uh, it was it was ironic because I actually just applied for my passport like a couple days before, yeah. so I didn't have it in hand yet, and they wanted you to have it in yeah. hand to like sign the contract. I mean, I would have I would have gotten it. Actually, I did get it before the fight, but still. It's it's crazy. I mean, and, and I mean. And that's, you can attest to this. There's there's hundreds of guys around the country that are getting that same call all the time. every single week. Yeah, dude. Can you? Hey, dude, can you get your... to 150 pounds by Friday and yeah. you have a passport? You know, that kind of thing. You just got to be. So it's, if it's, so in any scenario, for me, knowing that, oh, well, I do want to fight, you know, at the high level and mm-hmm. some of that's going to be traveling around the world, probably should have got that passport sooner. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it's just taking those steps and being proactive and putting yourself in the right position. When you were, let me ask you a couple of questions. When you first went to fight Bellator. Yeah. How much different was that experience than fighting pro with Shamrock or yeah. a, a comparable organization? How how much different was that jump? Yeah, so it's a bigger scale, right? Because it um, there's a larger like arena and there's just there's just more logistics. Mm-hmm. But for me, um, there there wasn't. I didn't really treat it much differently, uh, other than so the the big difference is just it's all external. Right, I mean, there's just more input. Like, so it's a nicer locker room, and you're in the big arena, yeah. and there's more people. It's but still just you and one guy in a cage. It, that's really all it is. And honestly, for me, I f- the the bigger the arena, like the higher the ceiling, the more people. Like, it, whenever I fought, it was it wasn't like filled up by any means. Like, we're the undercard. But like for me, that big th- thing, it, it's it, it's more comfortable for me. Like, whenever I start fighting in even like at Ameristar in Kansas City, and it's that it's that smaller, more intimate room, mm-hmm. and like now you can really start hearing these assholes right right up on the cage, right. like yelling at you yeah. and stuff like that. I don't like that. So for me, it felt more comfortable to take that bigger step and to be in that state. It kind of takes the crowd out of it for you. For me, yeah, yeah it's just it's just much easier. You can't to make do. out their words. Yeah, you can just focus in on what's happening right now. So in, in, and I can even even I imagine it even if it were a fully like sold out arena and like mm. it was super loud and shit i think i would just like that better so that i liked the bigness when it came to like fighting on that show it was super cool but production for production i mean it's almost 
I mean, it's, it's the they're same. They're doing the same stuff. Same, yeah. They're doing the same thing. It's just what scale. That's that's the only difference for me. Interesting. Yeah. So you're done with fighting, you say? I am. You think I am. you think you're gonna stick with that? Honestly? Yeah, yeah, man. Well, it's been. Uh, it'll be two years in in May. So like it's already been a couple years. Now over how much of that two years have has it been you saying no I don't want fights I mean for, was there a, a a chunk of that time where you were looking for fights and they just weren't coming No I've not yeah I haven't looked for fights at all so probably about um, I don't know a year maybe a year and a half in like uh, Rob Doniker actually texted me and asked me if I wanted to fight He's actually I think he's texted me a couple times and asked mm-hmm. me if I wanted to fight on two different occasions and both times I'm just like no I don't want to um, I started worrying about my brain immensely okay so, that's like, what that was going to be my next question yeah. like what yeah what i don't uh so i don't uh, there's a there's a number of reasons why but yeah i started worrying about my brain a lot so i don't like tbi and cte like they really they like they just fucked my head up like i don't i don't want to be that fighter mm-hmm. who uh who just can't like I already have like a hard time sometimes like recalling words. So I'm like, really? man, well, a lot of concussions. I haven't had a lot of concussions, but I'm sure I. Well, maybe, maybe because I mean I started playing football um, in seventh in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. So I mean that's full contact mm-hmm. for like six years through there, okay. and then I mean I fought for almost a decade. How many times were you knocked out? Never knocked out. Okay. Um, a couple. I've had my bell rung a couple of times in practice. One flash knockout in practice. So like I got hit, dropped to a knee, and came right back up. Never been knocked out though. Okay. So pretty fortunate in that sense. Definitely eaten enough shots. So I've learned a lot about the brain. Um, it's it actually stemmed from my daughter. She was diagnosed on the autism spectrum. She's not very severe. I actually question that diagnosis because right. I feel like. It's it's one of those things that it's it's such a broad spectrum. I feel like physicians and, and clinicians and stuff are just they just label this this vast uh, group of people as like autistic, and some of them might not be autistic. Maybe she is. I don't know. But either way, that sent me down this path of like researching on different things that like help the brain and whatnot. Yeah. Like when we grew up, it was always thought, you know, you lose your brain cells, it's gone forever. They're dead. You know what I mean? But Science has shown now that there are different things that you can take, and there's a lot of different things that you can do to help grow brain cells, brand new brain cells, neurogenesis. So this is a real thing that happens. So for me, I I I started down that path kind of with her, and then I started you know learning more about the brain, and I started becoming worried about my brain with fighting and different things. And I'm just like, man, like this is just not the sport for me. I lost the drive. It became less important to win. I don't feel like I really have anything to prove. Mm-hmm. There's whether people want to admit it or not, like they compete because you want to prove something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whether it's to yourself, but it's usually there's some external people you want to prove it to. Yeah. I just don't have that. that I got to prove my worth to in these some people. way or another. And the way yeah. I'm going to do that is yeah. by making it to the Bellator cage. Yeah. And, and yeah, there's, there's definitely a part of that. Um, I've been like a lifelong athlete. So the idea of, like, making my living doing athletics was always, like, that's the pinnacle. Like, that's the dream. Like, I wanted to be in the NFL. I'm not big enough for that. Like, that just wasn't my path. But I wrestled, and it was a very natural transition. I was always better at wrestling anyway. It was a very natural transition to get into fighting. So I was always, like, chasing that, you know, you want to get that big contract with either, you know, UFC or Bellator, get those checks, you know what I mean? Like, the idea of making – $30,000 $30,000 in one night from fighting, you know, like 15000 for showing, 15 for winning or something. Like that just drove me for so long. But that will only take you so far. Like the money just, I'm just like, man, the money's not even worth it. Yeah. When you got the call up to Bellator, were they, were they 
big ones like that or or no? Two I, of I, them were. Okay. So, okay, so I fought on Bellator, and that was just an undercard. And okay. that's like they were coming to St. Louis, so what mm-hmm. they do is they match a whole bunch of locals. Right. Um, so I did that. Now, the two other ones were, like one was um, in Connecticut against a guy by the name of Brandon Ward, who is just a savage. And, uh, and you were main card? Or, yeah. Or t- on TV, at least. He was, uh, I was like co-main. Okay. He was a big name. Okay. Like he won, I think he won the tournament when they were still doing the tournament at uh, at eighty five, and he fought for the belt, lost, and okay. then dropped to seventy. He was doing pretty good at seventy. Okay. So that was just that was a situation where they needed somebody last minute. Okay. Somebody got you know hurt or whatever the case was. Ten days notice they needed somebody. The guy they ended up getting was a complete like turd. <laughs> like. An old guy had a terrible record, probably like 30 fights, mm-hmm. and like half of them were all losses. So, yeah. yeah, that was just, you know, either you're ready or you're not. Yeah. Um, but he's the type of guy that you, a lot of people don't want to take a short notice fight with him. I would have. If I, if I wouldn't have, if I would have been in shape, I would have taken the fight. I, don't, I didn't care. And then obviously, like the Tel Aviv one, that would have been pretty big. Um, I think that would have actually probably came with like three or four fight contract. Really? Yeah. Because Joaquin Buckley um, also fought on that card. And I think they were offering us the same contract, I think Jesse said. Three or four fights. Right? Yeah, yeah, three or four fights with Bellator for that one. Yeah. It's wild, man. I mean. It happens, man. I, you know, it's just one of those things that uh, probably just wasn't uh, in the cards. I, I mean, I, I competed for almost a decade, off and on at different times, just with family and life. Mm-hmm. You know, I had kids at, uh, I had my son at 20 and my daughter at 22, so real young with having kids. So, I mean, when you're just trying to take care of business sometimes you got to put the dreams on hold yeah man well i mean it seems like you found some some pretty cool outlets here yeah man the podcast is going well i get to connect with awesome people like yourself and uh and just uh just keep exploring other ways to uh to make it in life there's a lot of ways to compete i found and there's a lot of ways to win and it doesn't have to be like athletically like in the cage so i just try to put everything towards just building the life that I want to build. Look at you. Yeah, man. You're such a calm presence. <laughs> I, I, I told Jesse that I saw you, uh, cause for, for everybody listening, Adam's doing some, some work with, with Shamrock now. Yeah. They hired me to do a little bit of PR. He's so. doing, yeah. So fight night, you're doing video work. You're, you're right. running around with your gimbal and yeah. shooting some video and stuff. And, uh, I guess it was between rounds. You would occasionally, uh, as the fighters were in their corners with their coaches, you would pop into the cage and you're just kind of floating with the camera and stuff. And I was telling him, I said, he's just such a, there's just a calmness and a Zen quality about him. <laughs> and he just kind of smiled and nodded. He's like, hey, he's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, that's, so that's funny. Yeah, man. I think you've, you've got some cool stuff going here. It's, I appreciate it's exciting it. Brother. To see. Hey man. Well, I appreciate you doing this. I think sure. we're about an hour and a half in. Oh def- my God. Yeah. I want to be respectful of your time. No I don't want to hold you up too long. Um, Floor is yours, man. Um, anything you want to plug, promo, you know, tell them about the podcast. I know we've talked about it yeah. already, but podcast, anything you have coming up, whatever you'd like, man. Socials, it's up to you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm on Facebook, Instagram. Um, you can find me, the, the two podcasts I do, the, the pop culture one where I kind of do the deep dives on movies, television shows, that kind of stuff is called The Odd Podcast with Joe Parisi. It's on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. And then the newer one that I just launched uh, right around the holidays in 2018 is America's Pop Culture Trivia Show. That is the game show that's on same ones, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, everything. Uh, so, yeah, those are my two, uh, the two podcasts. My voiceover website, 
joeparisivoiceover.com. And, uh, and that's about it, man. Just gonna, yeah, just, just gonna leave it at that. Gotta, gotta give a shout out to, uh, my beautiful wife, Christine, who I'm sure will will listen to this and cringe through a lot of it. (laughs) And, uh, and, and my son Reese. Yeah. That's it, man. Excellent. Excellent. And I'll put this in the show notes too. So, all right, Joe. Thanks again, brother. Thank you. Appreciate it.